Hello, welcome. We are up to episode nine for the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Once again, we don't have Dave with us. He's still off on his jollies in New York, watching the Islanders beat the Penguins um, and the Sabres. Not a good time for me and Gref. Um, Gref, hello. Hello. And it was also the Rangers, not the Islanders, that beat us. Oh, it was the Rangers, wasn't it? Yeah, apologies. And Andy, a man that I'm not quite sure I want to talk to after the Devils beat us 5-1 last night. But hello, Andy. How are we doing? <laughs> hello, Joe. <laughs> so, gents, um, we've only got a week to cover. Um, you know, Quite a lot going on since last time. Um, in between us recording last week and putting the podcast out last week, there were a few changes in the league. Um, obviously, a couple of games as well, so we can come around to cover those. Um, but let's start with the fixtures that have just gone. I've got my list ready, seeing as though we don't have Dave to do this again. So we'll just blast through these fixtures. Um, Wednesday, the 31st of October, Halloween, um, you had the Devils beating the clan 1 0 uh, in the league, and then the Steelers beating the Blaze 5 4 in overtime. Uh, nice goal coming from. Ben O'Connor to get the win there after the Steelers were down by two. Um, Friday, the 2nd of November in the league, Fife lost out to Belfast 2-1. Then on Friday again, we had a Challenge Cup fixture, which was Nottingham versus the Storm. Uh, Storm taking a 3-0 loss there. Um, Saturday, the 3rd of November, Milton Keynes lost 2-1 to Guildford in overtime. The Storm beat the Flyers 3-2. Steelers beat Dundee 4-0. Uh, the Devils lost to the Coventry Blaze 6-4 uh, and the Clan lost to the Giants 4-1. Um, and then just finally Sunday, three league fixtures, Nottingham beat Cardiff 3-2, Dundee lost to Belfast 6-3 and Coventry lost to Fife in overtime 6-5. And then the final fixture was a Challenge Cup fixture on that Sunday which was Guildford beating the Milton Keynes Lightning 5-2. Um, Andy, uh, obviously a fair few fixtures that we've just run through there. Have you got any highlights from that? Anything that struck struck you, uh, that stood out to you? Yeah, from a Coventry, I mean, uh, it's a fantastic result to get a win over the Devils uh, and a great result as well, even though we lost in overtime to Fife, uh, Cardiff and Fife. Probably one of the top teams battling for that first position at the moment and uh, yeah, it's two great results for Coventry. Yeah, I mean, in fairness as well, I mean, you look at Coventry's results, obviously, overtime lost to Fife, as you say, but, you know, getting a point from the Flyers, certainly a good result. And, you know, the regulation wins can be uh, can be the difference maker at the end of the season. Uh, and the same with the Steelers as well. I mean, the Steelers are on the up at the moment. Obviously, they're, uh, they're trying to come back from the deficit at the start of the season. So, coming out fairly strong, um, you know, I know we were both at the game, maybe not quite as strong as we'd have hoped in the second period in that game, but still... A, Obviously, taking that game to overtime as well for four points over that week for Coventry, as you say, certainly a, certainly a good week for them. Um, what did you think to the Blaze when they played in Sheffield on on the Wednesday? Um, I, I think they played a good game. Um, obviously, I I think they started off pretty, pretty well. They got those those uh, two goals up, and uh, yeah, I think Sheffield were just uh, just. Too much on, on the, the majority of the game. Um, the pad on the pressure, uh, pull some great shots off on uh, on 
on the goalie and uh, yeah it was, it was great to get a result but uh, it was a good effort from both teams yeah it certainly made for an interesting game and, and, and certainly a good uh, showcase for the league on free sports as well um, Greth same question to you I'm not going to ask you how Sheffield played against Coventry I know you watched the game but um, more from that list of fixtures what stands out to you what, what were your picks from this week from the weekend I'd probably say Cardiff getting a zero point weekend. I mean, yeah, they won on the on the thirty first and the Halloween, but over the weekend, zero points. That's something we didn't imagine when we were recording last week. We we all said Cardiff were going to win at least against Coventry at least. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I don't think there was any hesitation from from any of us when we were get when we were predicting those. I think they were the ones that we were the, we were the most certain of. Do you think? You know, I think it may have struck as a little bit odd when they took the one nil win against Glasgow. You know, obviously they've ripped some teams apart this year, and and obviously going up against Glasgow, they only got the one nil win. Do you think that was a sign of things to come? Do you think that that may have knocked them a little bit in terms of? You know the role, like been on a bit of a roll in terms of scoring recently. Do you think that's kind of knocked them a little bit in in terms of just getting them off form? And do you, do you think that kind of set them up for the rest of the weekend, or do you just think they came out expecting a win on the Saturday? I think I think they mainly just came out expecting to beat Coventry. I mean, no offense to Coventry, they're not. They've been a bit hit, bit of hit, hit and miss this season so far. So you expect Cardiff, who are one of the, the big teams in the league, one of the top form teams as well, and then Coventry come out and they win 6-4. You, I know when I saw that scoreline, I was like, what on earth has just happened? Yeah. I was going to say, we were watching the fixtures on uh, on flash scores during the, uh, during the Steelers game, and it was it was baffling to see. Uh, obviously, I mean, there were times when they were tying it up, obviously, Cardiff bringing it back but Coventry just weren't having it they were just clawing the way back up again um, I've got to say there are two There are two that I'd really pick out the first one I've got to say is how strong the Giants have been coming out recently um, six point weekend for them uh, win against Fife on Friday and obviously we, you know, Fife have shown themselves to be a pretty formidable team um, a win against Glasgow on the Saturday um, obviously a, five, uh, a 4-1 win there and then a win against Dundee on the Sunday with a 6-3 win. So not only, you know, three wins, but two of the three wins there were, were pretty convincing as well. So I think the Giants are certainly making a bid to climb their way up the table um, and obviously to secure themselves there as well. The other one that I would say would be, uh, I can't I can't go without giving it a mention, is the Steelers getting a four-point week. Um, <laughs> it's been a bit rare for us to say it. Uh, they made hard work of it on the Wednesday. I think they kind of lulled off in the second period. Um, and let the Coventry blaze in a little bit, but the third period just showed how strong this team can be. Um, and in, I don't know. Obviously, both of you watched the game. I don't know what you thought. I mean, it was pretty obvious that we were going to score early on in the third. Obviously, when they scored the game to bring it back to one. Um, and then, in fairness, the pressure to put on for the for the for the equalising goal, it was certainly coming from the way that we were pushing it as a team. Um, and then again, obviously, the four 0 win against Dundee was just. It was just dominance. I did. I don't think Dundee ever looked like they were going to score. Obviously, Whistle doesn't get the man of the match there. In fairness, wasn't really tested much. First shutout of the season, but wasn't really tested. 
Um, and, I, and I think Barrasso really, you know, really has made his mark on his team. And Saturday's game particularly was a big um, was a big sign of that for me. Um, Andy, what, what, what do you think? You were, you were at the game on Saturday. You were at the game on Wednesday. Do you, do you agree? Do you think Barrasso certainly changed the team around? Do you think that it, you know? Do you think it was a case that Dundee came out slow, or do you think it was a case that we just came out too quick from handle? I think we were just too quick for them to handle. Um, you know, I, I think both teams played a good game. Um, it, it's it's just like obviously we, we, we were a stronger team, and I think we were looking and and we were trying to find that uh, that sort of quite a marginal score, quite a big scoreline uh, for a result is is what I, I think we needed just to build that confidence up. And uh, yeah, Brass has done a fantastic job. Um, he's, he's, he's got a couple of players in already and are definitely making their mark on this team yeah I, I completely agree completely agree um, so obviously Andy you've just touched on it there obviously brought in a couple of players to the team um, shortly after we recorded episode 8 last week obviously we recorded it on the Monday I know that we weren't able to put the episode out until the Friday um, shortly after we recorded I think it was the next day um, Sheffield announced the signing of Matt Climey. Um he was brought in pretty much straight away landed in Sheffield I think that day if not the day after um, a goalie which was something that took a lot of the Steelers fans by surprise Gref is this a sign of things to come in the Elite League obviously I mean you know Jackson Whistle was part of a three goalie team in Belfast obviously the Panthers have had Paschal uh, they had Garnet um Sorry, I know they're not at the same time. Garnet, um, Gospel, and Patrick Galbraith. Do you know that the they, Panthers have been a team that have had three goalies for a while? Yourselves have got three goalies this year, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and obviously, Blaze have got three goalies now. I know that was that was for injury cover. But is this the sign of things to come in the Elite League? Do you think the three goalies is the way forward? I think it is. Yeah, it's definitely because as we've mentioned previously, we. All the teams in the league mainly go for the league. So you get your fifty odd games in the league, plus also your challenge cup. You're gonna not want to rely on your one goaler. I mean, your backup goalies sometimes for different teams can be great. Like for example, for you guys, you got Bad Day. He's a pretty decent goaler. Yeah. We have Declan Ryan at times, and we've also got Paco. I mean, we don't always want to rely on Matt Jin all the time. Stella Gola, amazing, done brilliant for us so far. But you you don't want to use your goal, your number one goaler every single game. Because come towards like January, February time, they're gonna be worn out. So you're gonna you're gonna want your another good backup that's challenging your your first team goaler. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that Steelers fans have kind of been arguing amongst themselves in in, in one capacity with, um, obviously raising questions. Jackson Whistle really has been a standout player for the Steelers this year. Um, he's been the reason that we're still not dead bottom of the league. Um, you know, he's he's kept us from having games going into double digits for us, for sure. It's certainly in the games where we've been particularly poor. Um, so, I know that a lot of fans have kind of been concerned 
that Whistle's going to lose out on ice time because we brought in this other guy. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that a guy like Barrasso, obviously Vezina Trophy winner, Stanley, you know, dual Stanley Cup winner with the Pittsburgh Penguins as a goalie, doesn't surprise me that one of the things he wanted to do was bring in a second top quality netminder. Um, I know on interviews he's obviously said that um, he's not playing yet, he's not much fit, and also that he's not going to take Whistle out while he's winning. So he certainly, as you say, gives that competitive edge. Um, Andy, what, what what do you think to the signing of Matt Climey? Obviously, it's probably a little bit close to home than Greth. Obviously, Greth can watch from the other side of the Pennines, but... Um, you know when it, when it, when it happens in in Sheffield, it's something that I've been saying for a while. I wanted us to do is bring three goalies. What was your thought when we, when we announced the signing? I think it's a good sign. Um, first of all, he's 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 got a good he's got a good wealth of experience in the American Hockey League, and he's even played a few games in the NHL as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a good sign, and uh, it, it is something that's been coming for a long time. I think for Sheffield. Uh, I can't remember. I, I, I think it's been a few seasons since uh, since our three goalies, and that was when uh, Plant was injured. Um, I brought mm. in cover for him. Um, but yeah, he's kind of things to come in the league. Yeah. I mean, uh, even Chernam has uh, touched on, on on it at the start of the season. If we need to bring someone else in uh, to go alongside uh, the two goalies there, then he would do. Uh, but obviously, they've, they've been play, playing really well, so I guess they're not really needed bring a third one in but um, yeah it's something like that that's happening around the world not just in the British game of the NHL they've got three or four even over there and uh, yeah I've, I think it's good just to get the competition up uh, but also to give uh, Jackson a rest as well because he's he's, he's he's been really tough for him and he's played really well uh, so I think he, he will at some point need a bit need a bit of a break yeah no I um, I completely agree with you there as you say Jackson's been he really has been a stud for the Steelers this year, um, and obviously he's gonna he's gonna have bad games. Obviously, we had the game, the first game against Cardiff. Um, we weren't actually at the game because we were away, but obviously, you know, Paul Thompson made the decision to start Jackson Whistle. Said he got a migraine, and that's why he let so many in in the first. I think it was four nil at the end of the first period or whatever it was. You know, if we'd have got Matt Kleine, maybe the decision goes a different way. So obviously, he really can't be a difference maker. Um, Andy, what were your thoughts on his, the start of his season? Obviously, you look at his stats, as you say, a wealth of experience in the AHL, a handful of games in the NHL. I mean, you don't get to that level without having something about you. I guess the one that some of our fans have kind of focused on have been the first three games that he's played at the start of this season for HC Innsbruck. What do you think to those stats? Obviously, he's played three games. He had a total of 6.17 goals against average and a 76.8% save percentage. Do you think that's a sign that he's on the decline, as some people are saying, or do you think that it's just a case that you know he's coming either you know, maybe injured, maybe not quite at full pace at the start of the season, he's only played three games and you know he could he could easily put up a, you know the same stats that he's put up in the past in the Elite League? What, what are your kind of thoughts surrounding those those stats? I don't think it's a bad thing those stats. I mean, uh, Innsbruck and the EB, EBEL, which is the, the same league as Ripple Salzburg, and uh, the, the teams there are really good. Um, I'd probably say probably a bit better than this league, just a bit. Mm. Um, but I, I think he's come in uh, at the start of the season not being quite as fit as, as, as what he's expected to be or should be. And I think if he was fit, I think he would have uh, started in his first game, in his, in his first game. Um, 
the first time around, he sat foot on the arena to a game. I think would have started if he was fit, but I've, I think it's just getting that you know that that uh, fitness up. And also Jackson's having a fantastic uh, few games in that, so obviously I completely understand why Brasso will keep him in mm-hmm. if he's winning games. Uh, so yeah, um, until until there's a game lost or uh, just result doesn't go our way, I, I think he'll be, he'll be in the net soon. Yeah, no, I um I've come, I agree with you there, Gref. Um. Similar kind of question. You get a goalie that comes in, he's put up probably about a 90-91% save percentage across about 250 games in the AHL. Um, he starts the season with three games in the EBL uh, with a 76% save percentage and a 6.1 goals against average. Do you look at that and go, we've signed a bit of a duff guy here? Or do you look at that and go, OK, he's not at the start that he wants, but his stats speak for themselves? I'd probably go with Dave. His stats really do speak for himself. Three games. Who knows? One of the games would have been a, could have been like a really bad night for him, and the other two games were pretty decent. But obviously, because the third, one of the nights was really bad, mm. it doesn't look great in his stats. I personally, I I look forward to seeing him play. Hopefully, he doesn't play that good if he's against us. Against us. I mean, that's just from a, a Manchester perspective, but. Throughout the season, hopefully you do, you guys well. Yeah, I certainly think I, I, I personally think you will. I think realistically, you look at his stats. He only played twelve games last year, so that to me shouts out that he had an injury um, or something along those lines. Um, you know, so no surprise coming into the season. Maybe if he came in not fully fit, either in terms of just not up to match fitness or maybe still had a bit of a knock uh, and a bit of a niggle with his injury. And as you say, it, it takes one bad game to change the stats, but you know, it's, it's certainly a wait-and-see signing, but certainly an interesting one for me on that side. Um, so, moving on from Sheffield for the time being, there was another signing in the league, actually. Gref, you told me about this one about 15 minutes or so ago. Gref, do you want to tell us who he is and who he's signed for? Yeah, his name is Dominic Florian. He's a, a Czech player. He's, he's already played for Coventry this season. We, I didn't even realise until this afternoon that he'd actually signed for Coventry. So I don't really think... I don't think any of us actually noticed that they made a, a press release saying they signed a player. <laughs> Looking at his stats, he's played 131 games in the National American Hockey League. Got 94 points out of it. So it's like the, the league below the NCAA. But then he's gone and played in the NCAA, played 58 games, and got 27 points. That to me sounds like pretty, he's had a good junior career. Hopefully he can do the same over over here. Obviously not against Starbucks, against Steelers for you guys. <laughs> I mean, Depending on how results go, if we need you to lose, you know. But he seems like a a very good player. He's young as well, so he could be pretty fast. Yeah, something that strikes me as odd on his um on his elite prospects page, his position is just listed as forward. Um, obviously, most of the time when you see players sign, you've either got a centre or a left winger or a right winger marked down on there. I don't know whether that's just the case that he does play anywhere and he, that he's just 
you know he's completely flexible as long as obviously he doesn't play D but he'll play forward or whether that just means that he's a bit of an unknown that he's not really obviously you see mainly junior stats is it just a case that you know he's they don't know that he, that he's so such an under the radar signing that it's just that his stats aren't you know so updated that they can say exactly his position but Andy, I mean, uh, there's, there's been a few teams in the league this year that have made a few signings like this. Um, you know, and Cardiff signed, it Duggan that Cardiff signed? Um, you know, obviously we had Nottingham signing, Van Cleef. These youth signings partway through the season, is it something that, you know, is it a sign that we are trying to bring in the speed to the game? Is it a sign that we're trying to bring in teams that we can bring across multiple seasons rather than just a team for the season and then move on and sign another team. What do you think the motives behind getting these 22, 23-year-old guys coming in is? Do you think it's purely for the speed? I think it's a bit more than that. I think the age has something to do with it as in uh, maybe them being trying to stick around for a bit in that team and then being uh, perhaps the leader someday like... Uh, like Barkov is right now, like Patrick Liner is, is is getting there right now. With maybe just someone to build around in the future, uh, if we need to, and become one of those really cool players. Uh, especially Sam Douglas, who's had great experience in the uh, in the junior Swedish leagues, uh, played for Great Britain, and maybe it could be a Cardiff Devil captain one day, and the good building around him. Yeah, it'll, say, it'll certainly be interesting. I mean, uh, the, from the stats of the guy that signed for Coventry, uh, he doesn't look like he doesn't scream the type of player that's gonna, you know, he's gonna be captain in a few years. But he certainly looks like the kind of guy that could come in this year, you know, open a few eyes, make a few people take note of him that maybe wouldn't have before. As you say, I mean, it, it doesn't take a great deal to become one of those cult players in a team. If you can come in and be the unexpected guy that puts thirty away in a season, that's all it really takes. Uh, and obviously. We used to be a league, and, and a lot of people used to focus on the fact that we used to be a league for play, for people to come and retire. That's what used, people used to say. We were a retirement league. Um, and now, I think we're showing, we're moving away from that. And these, these signings of the 22, 23-year-old guys, either just coming out of juniors, coming out of the East Coast League. Some of them even coming out of the... Like the the East Coast League following a bit of a, a you know a bit of a dabble in the AHL, it shows that we're now attracting talent of players that are still on the up and aren't on the decline. Greff, what do you think? Obviously, as you know, they will, you could look back and see times when we were signing players that had come to us to retire. Do you think that now, following things like success in the CHL, success in the Conti Cup, obviously success in Budapest last year, do you think these things are, are helping us to? promote ourselves as a league as a, as a league for up-and-comers I think it is yeah I mean it also helps when you got some like the big I'd say like the big NHL stars you could say well coming over to it they, they were like pretty big NHL stars like McGrath uh, Janssen as sort of examples they, they're going to have connections with people over there and they're going to talk to them and go beautiful amazing league to play in as an example they could probably say that I mean they might even say the cities are, are amazing they may even say some of the rinks are, are amazing not that I'd agree with him but <laughs> who knows it's I think even with Liam Kirk getting drafted as well that's definitely put the elite league on the map as well even further 
Yeah, it's, it certainly has. It's good to see. Um, I mean, it's not necessarily worked out so well for Sheffield this year. A lot of our team were kind of 23, 24, 25, kind of in age range. Um, and obviously, I think in, in a sense, it may have bitten Sheffield on, on the backside a little bit. Um, maybe just lacking in experience to drive through that lull. Of, you know, we hit a lull at the start of the season and we didn't maybe have the experience to just be able to say, right, we draw a line under it and we carry on. But as a whole, it certainly is good to see. And, you know, I really do hope that we do see some guys like this coming in and, you know, staying for a few years and being the staple players. Um, a lot of the staple players in the league now moving on. David Clark, obviously, um, one of the key ones there. Jonathan Phillips isn't going to have a great deal of, you know, a great amount of years left. Um so you know, it'd be nice to see some youth come in and uh, and become the next generation of uh, of staple players. Um, moving back from Coventry, um, back to Sheffield, and in fairness, sticking on the idea of 22, 23-year-old signings, um, the Steelers announced today. Actually, we're recording on Tuesday evening. Uh, the Steelers actually announced earlier on today. The signing of 23-year-old Anthony De Luca. Um, he is a forward, uh, a left winger from Canada. Um, certainly has some decent stats by the looks. I find that junior stats often are quite difficult to read compared to you know your pro stats. Obviously, you see a guy come in with 0.5 points per, per game in 100 games in the East Coast League. You kind of get an idea of where they're going. And where they, you know, where they, where they might end up. It's a little bit more difficult with the junior stats. Um, Andy, what what do you think to this guy? Have you, have you had a chance to look? What what do you think to to the way that he, he looks at the moment? I haven't. Uh, I, I think it looks really good. I think it could be one of those uh, scorers that we've needed. Uh, he's, he's, got, he's, got, he's got some good stats from the junior league with uh, with Mr. Oceanic. Uh, also put some good stats uh, for Frederick Chauvin in, in in the Danish league last year. Um, I think it could be one of those goal scorers, as I said, that that remember we needed. Uh, seems like he's 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 really excited and, and really uh, honoured to be playing for Tom Barrasso. Uh, so having said that, I think he'll do a fantastic job. You know, he'll they want to impress uh, everyone at the club, uh, and I'm sure he'll, he'll make a, an impact almost straight away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at his stats, and and you look at obviously the interview. That he did in the star, um, and as you say, I mean, he, he basically said, you know, when you when you get told that Tom Barrasso is interested in signing you, it certainly makes you interested in signing. Um, Gref, is is that one of the big advantages you think of having a guy like Barrasso in addition to obviously his, um, obviously in addition to his coaching expertise as a whole and his his hockey knowledge. Obviously, you get the draw as well. That you you've got a essentially. I mean, he was described in the star, and I, I can't see any other way to describe him. A Pittsburgh legend, a, a, you know, a hockey Hall of Fame goalie that signed for you. That's got to be a huge, huge advantage when it comes to wanting players. Just from the fact that, as shown by this guy, obviously, you know, he's turning around and saying, "Oh, Tom Barrasso wants me. Okay, let's let's have a serious look at this." It's not like he's just being asked by every Tom, Dick and Harry. He's being asked by an, a, a Hockey Hall of Fame goalie. Oh, that's for certain. I mean, I mean, Tom Barrasso is going to be wonderful for Steelers. And this season, he's already showing it. Next season, that's going to be one to definitely look at for when 
you you either re-signing players or you signing new players. That's going to be one of the the key points for you guys next season. I mean, as Stafford's already pointed out, he may have had an amazing junior career. I mean, 202 games in the Quebec Major Junior Leagues, 209 points, 101 goals. Yeah. That's that's crazy. But then to go over to Europe to, to play in the Danish League and you only played 47 games, but you're putting up 39 points and 15 of those points are goals. That's a that's crazy from a from a guy that's just come out of juniors. From a guy that's well, he came out of juniors, went to East Coast, went to Uni, and then went straight to Denmark. I mean, everywhere he's going, he's pretty much putting up some good numbers. Yeah. Hopefully, he'll do wonders for you this season. He'll be the, one of the key players as well, I think, to actually get you into the playoffs. Yeah. Well, here's to uh, here's to hoping, but um. Andy, I mean, I, I'm being one of those people, and I'm sure a lot of the Steelers fan base, and in fairness, I'm sure a lot of the, the fans across the Elite League have been saying the same, um, that it's going to be interesting to see the kind of players that Barrasso signs. Um, you know, he's obviously got a lot of contacts from his time in the NHL. Um, obviously, he's coached over in Europe as well, in some of the top leagues in Europe. So he's obviously going to have a lot of contacts across the world, and obviously, he's also obviously as we've just said, he's, we've also got that advantage of he is Tom Barrasso. He's a Vezina goalie, Vezina Trophy goalie. He's a double Stanley Cup winner. He's not just a guy that's that nobody's heard of before that's asking for people to sign. You know, people want to sign for this guy. In terms of this signing. Is this the kind of signing that we would have expected to see him make? I mean, I know that a lot of people may have been expecting people with NHL experience or AHL experience, but this guy looks like an absolute stud, but he's coming out of the junior league. I mean, he's just as we've just been saying, he could become a staple player for the Steelers for the next five, ten years. Do you think that's the kind of guy, was that the kind of guy that you were expecting to see Barrasso bring in? Or were you expecting to see him bring in a more experienced guy, like maybe a 30, 35-year-old that's played 200 games in the NHL and 400 in the AHL? I think it's a good move. I mean, people have got to bear in mind it, it, it's November. You know, it, it isn't August where the, the, the availability of players is, is massive. You know, there's so many players available, there isn't. Uh, the, the really good players are taken. Uh, they've already got good homes where they are. They're, they're playing really well. So signing someone like Declare who's young who, who can put points up is, is a really good signing. Um, that I believe that's one spot remaining on the roster uh, for this season. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see the best out of Barrasso until August comes around when all those availability comes up. Uh, but still, it's a very good signing. Yeah, one thing that's interested me, and it, and it kind of... I think I've mentioned it last week, but... Um... You know, it's something that's cropped up again, obviously, in the signing of De Luca. There's a number of players coming into the league this year in a league that, for me, was was very unknown. And as I say, I always find it more difficult to read into a player in terms of junior stats. But one league that I've never really heard of up until this season before was the U Sports League. Um, I mean, De Luca's played 28 games in the U Sports League and he's had 1.54 points per game. I mean, that's insane. Um, but then you look across the league this year, obviously, Kelly Ainsworth signed for Coventry. He's played 107 games in the uh, in the U Sports League. Trey Lewis for Coventry has played 76 games in the U Sports League. 
And then Josh McFadden for the Steelers has also played 45 games in that league. It just seems a little bit odd to me that all of a sudden these, you know, we're signing four or five guys in, in a season across the league that have all played in this league that I've never heard of before. I've, I've, have either of you guys heard of the U Sports League going into this season, or is it, is it just me that wasn't sure? Yes, I have, yeah. Yeah, the 2015-16 season I heard about it. Uh, I heard about it last season as well, even further, mainly because of London Springer. He just came out of there. Fair enough. I've apparently uh, let my stats watching go a little bit to pot over the last couple of seasons. I've been living under a rock for the last couple of years. But still still quite a new league coming through, though. It's quite interesting to see them come through. I mean, comparing the stats between DeLuca and the guys that I've just mentioned, as I say, DeLuca's played 28 games in the U Sports League, 1.54 points per game. Kelly Ainsworth... Um, played 107 games in it and got 0.82 points per game. So obviously nearly double um, of Ainsworth tally is what you know DeLuca's put up in there. Trey Lewis um, put up a 0.22 points per game in 76 games and Josh McFadden put 0.78 points per game up in 45 games. So DeLuca really stretching out a hell of a lot more points per game. Do you know, it, it, I know it's only realistically, it's only you know maybe point seven, point eight, but that that's a that's a huge stat spread across the season. Um, I mean, Ainsworth's put up a point per game so far in the Elite League, so certainly looking good for uh, for Deluca coming in. But again, another wait and see signing. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see where that one goes. Um, moving on from signings and maybe moving on from Sheffield because. Uh, it's kind of hard not to talk about them at the moment with the amount of signings that they're making and the amount of changes. But moving on from that, we had a bit of a, uh, a spectacle in the league today. We know where the next stage of the Challenge Cup is going. Gref, I know that you watched the first minute of the Challenge Cup draw. What were your thoughts of the draw? Uh, I thought it could have been done a little bit better. I mean, you've just brought the the GMs or the coaches from the team, the, the four seeded teams. Talked about how the Challenge Cup went for them in the, the group stages. And then they just said, right, we're picking this team. I mean, I mean, it's better than doing it out of a, like a Morrison's bag, like previously. But... In the ice in Sheffield, Seth Bennett picking out a little crunched up piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But... It's one step further to being a lot better than than picking out of a, a shopping bag. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Um, I mean, the Challenge Cup, um, best of a bad bunch. In fairness, I mean, we've got eleven teams in the league this year. It was always going to be difficult to seed eleven teams in a cup. Um, so it may have been a bit of a farce. Maybe a bit of a faff this year. We've got us quarter-final teams. It should be a little bit easier to figure out what's going on from here on in. Um, so, the matchup for the quarter-finals are as follows. Um, Belfast Giants chose the Dundee Stars. Um, Cardiff Devils will be playing the Glasgow Clan. Nottingham Panthers will be playing the Manchester Storm. And the Guildford Flames will take on the Sheffield Steelers. The Steelers were the team that weren't picked by either of the top three seeds, so they ended up with Guildford in the matchups. And uh, you know, simple question, guys. We'll make it quite quick because I obviously appreciate. You know, we've got a lot to cover today. Four matchups there. 
who do we expect to see going through to the semi-finals from each of those? We'll start with Belfast against Dundee. Gref, who would you see expect to see come out on top? Belfast. Do you think do you see that being a pretty clear straight up win, or do you think it's going to be a close to the knuckle win by the skin of the teeth? I think I think the the, the Dundee's home fixture for it. I think that'll be a close game, but at the SSE Arena, I think Belfast are just going to win it easily. Fair play, Andy. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. The form of Belfast has been really good so far. They've got, they got some really good results. So if, if they came up their form, I think they'll, they'll be easily, yeah, easily win. Yeah, I can't disagree. Um, I've been really rooting for the Stars this year. Kind of been trying to stay positive with them like I have for the Steelers. Um, it's not always paid off. And in fairness, watching them on the Saturday game against the Steelers... Not looking like the strong team that it looked like they'd signed at the start of the year, so maybe a few changes needed there. But, yeah, I can't see this going anyway, but Belfast. Um, so, full house for Belfast. We'll move on to the next one. Cardiff versus Glasgow. Andy, where do you see that going? Do you see Cardiff getting the win, or do you see Glasgow coming out to the semi-finals? I think Cardiff will win, uh, but I, I think there will be two very, uh, very close games. I mean, Glasgow, we've, we've got some good results recently. Uh, but... Cardiff are really good in, in, in those areas where, you know, cups and trophies are for grabs. So I think they will they'll win. Yeah, Gref, what what do you think? Do you are you in agreement with Andy or do you think the clan will come out strong and, and get the win? No, I'm in a complete agreement there with Andy. I think Cardiff's gonna win it. I mean I I think like with the Belfast one, I think it's gonna be Cardiff's one game. It's going to be a difference maker. They're very strong at home. They are normally, obviously. They had a bit of an off weekend this weekend, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, Yeah, I'll stick with you guys again on that card if I can only see being the ones that come out to the semi-finals on that. Um, I think Glasgow give it a good go, as you say, Andy. Um, Maybe even get the win at home. But I can see Cardiff blowing them out of the water at Ice Arena Wales. Um, on to the last two fixtures or the last two matchups I think these may be the two that maybe get a few different answers or maybe split the split the difference a little bit more Nottingham versus Manchester being the first Gref I'll stick with you for the for the start because I know that you're going to say the storm so because I know you're a massive homer um, what do you think do you think the storm will get it or, or are you thinking that the Panthers will pick you at the post Like the the fan in me wants to say Storm, but like looking at it from a an actual sports fan, I think Panthers may just pick us to the to the semi final. I think it's going to be very tightly contested in both games. Andy, what do you think? Do you agree, or do you think the Storm will get the win? I think it'll be Panthers. Uh, I've got to with Graf there. Uh, sorry, Graf, but yeah, uh, Panthers again, really strong. Uh, Manchester have been uh, not so much as strong. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm got Panthers win. Fair play. I'm I'm gonna go the other way. I, you know, I'll uh, I'll I'll go for a bit of Graf love on this one. Um, 
To be honest with you, I think the Panthers, you know, they played well. They've had a bit of a 50-50 start. I know that they, you know, they're still high up in the in the, the league standings. But I mean, last time I looked, and it's something we'll discuss, you know, in, in a little bit on on this episode. But you know, they did have a few games in hand. They did have a bit of a shaky start. They have had a few shaky um, shaky results. They've split the difference between the games between the Steelers for certain. Obviously, I know that some of the games they've blown us out of the water, but then in other games, you know, we've managed to get the win against them. Do you know, they've had some shaky games against a lot of teams in the in the league. Manchester are looking low down in the league at the moment. And there's a reason that they were on some of our lists for the bottom three teams. I think this is where Finner throws the kitchen sink. I think this is the point where Finner goes, right, we've got to go all out because this may be our only chance at some silverware this year. And I think... I don't think they'll win the Challenge Cup, but I think they'll win the seeding against the Panthers. So I'll go to Storm. Um, and then last up, we have Guildford versus Sheffield. Um, Andy, do you want to start us off? Obviously, I started with Greth as our resident Storm fan, so I will start with you as a Steelers fan for this one. This is this is a really hard one to say. Um... I think I'm in the same boat as Gref, where as a fan, I want to see my team win, but Guildford have, have been unbelievable this season. Uh, and just, just a lot of their players are really in really good form. So I, I think uh, players like, like Akkered, Dunbar, they're going to be the difference makers. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to say Guildford to go through. Gref, do you agree with Andy? I do, yeah. I Like Andy's mentioned... Carl Ackard and Dunbar, they're, they're just doing brilliant for the, the league at the moment. I mean, their team as a, as a whole are doing great. When they're not getting in fights, but they're doing great. Yeah, we all know it's not them that instigate the fights, though, mate. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> now, um, I disagree. I agree that I think it's going to be a close matchup. I think, do you know what I mean? The stats aren't in our favour on this one. I think we've lost the last... Somebody said we've lost the last four games to Guildford or the last three games to Guildford or something along those lines. Um, and Guildford coming out very strong this year as we'll, uh, as we'll talk about later on, obviously, as we discuss the league standings. But I just think bringing in you know two top-quality netminders now, if we can get Climby up to, up to speed, two top-quality starting netminders... Coming out strong. And I think a similar thing that I said about Finner. I think Barrasso throws the kitchen sink at this one. I think Barrasso goes, we're at the bottom of the league. We might be in a shout for playoffs. We're not going to win the league. I'll, I'll say that. I, I, if we win the league, I will eat my shoe. I'll eat, I'll eat my shoes. Don't get to that. <laughs> well, you know, I may regret saying that, but I significantly doubt it. Um... I really don't think we're going to win the league. I, and I, I don't expect us to, in fairness. We've had a, ro- a rocky season. It's going to be, I'm, not going to be disapp- I'm not going to be disappointed if we don't win the league this season. I wouldn't have been even at the start of the season. We, we had a big rebuild. I know that there have been other teams that have done it, but with no disrespect, some of the teams that people were saying, oh, yeah, but they've done it as well. One of those was Milton Keynes. You know, Milton Keynes are now dead bottom of the league. So it's fine saying, oh, there are other teams, but, you know, Cardiff haven't done it. Nottingham haven't done it. Belfast haven't done it. They're the teams that are staying at the top of the league. It's fine saying the teams in the mid 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 to bottom of the league have had a similar rebuild, but they're not going to win the league. And I don't think the Steelers are either, in fairness. But it's been a big change for us, and 
you know, we're not a team that have been changing around a lot of players. So I think it's a little bit different to comparing us to people like Milton Keynes. But I think this is the time where Barrasso goes, make my mark, go for a bit of silverware, throw everything at this. I can see us starting Climby and Whistle as two dressed netminders having both of them on the bench, even if it means sitting out an import just so that we can make sure we get a result out of these games. But I may be wrong. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. But they're, they're the predictions. So the majority go to Belfast, Cardiff, Nottingham and Guildford then by the sounds of that. Um, but we shall see in a few months' time um, or a few weeks' time. I'm not sure when the fixtures actually are. I know that one of the Steelers ones is in December, so probably a month and a bit's time. Um, moving on, Griff, we talked about Guildford getting into fights. Not quite sure what you're trying to get into there. Um, it looks more like it's the storm that they're getting into fights. Dops have been a little bit busy over the last seven days or so. Gref, would you like to give us a rundown as to how many of your team you're losing, you, you've you've lost out on as a result of this decision? Don't know what you mean. You not lost anyone. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no, we we lost Declan Barmer for three games. For uh, him. Coming off the bench to start a fight. Uh, Dallas Earhart, he was missing for one game. He got a one game suspension. And then also, Finner got a one game suspension and a £1,000 fine. <laughs> I've got to say, last week we discussed is it one of Finity's tactics? Um, and we, we all were kind of of the similar consensus that yes, it probably is. It's, it's slapped him with a grand fine now and um, a match ban for inability to control the bench. The thing that makes me laugh is the Storm fans that are actually genuinely trying to argue, oh, Balmer was coming on for a line change. I mean, play it stopped for a good minute, two minutes. If you haven't watched the video, fully recommend you watch it. It is hilarious. Balmer comes on the ice after a good minute after a stoppage of play. Doesn't look like anybody's coming off the bend, off the ice to make a change. But it's not even that. It's just the fact that literally he just jumps straight onto the ice and just makes a beeline over to the Guildford players. It's just the most ridiculous thing I've seen. I, I, I just don't understand why, what was going through his head. I mean, it, there wasn't even anything I could see on the video that may have started that. It wasn't like, it was. I know it was a bit of goalie contact. Obviously, Ginn got a two-minute penalty for roughing. And that was kind of the start of the altercation that Dops held it to. But I just don't... It's not like he turned around and punched Ginn in the face. He may have been in his crease for all of about 10 seconds, but that's about it. Why come off the bench and make a beeline to the guy? Andy, have you, been, have you seen the video? What, what did you think? I have seen it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a deliberate uh, attempt to... Uh, go to Guildford players uh, as, as much of a line change yeah the, the, the player was dead for a good couple of minutes uh, you can see he jumped straight off the bed, bench and his eye contact was straight on the Guildford players trying to get something going probably trying to rile, rile them up uh, but yeah I suppose that's, that's karma fear with the uh, suspensions and the and the thousand pound fine Uh Dops are toughening up on on this sort of thing now, uh, so yeah, I think maybe Finney will think if, if it's one of his tactics for sure. I think he will think about uh, not doing that next time. 
Yeah, the fine might certainly be a, uh, <laughs> a motive to him uh, changing his mind on that one. Gref, what, what did you think when you saw the, the results? I mean, we, we've generally been in agreement with Dops this year. We've generally said they've been quite consistent. May have said that, you know, they don't seem to be reviewing as much or putting out that they've reviewed as much. Um, but generally speaking, the consensus with us has been they've been consistent and they may be making the right calls across the board. What did you think to this one? Did you think it was a bit harsh? Did you think it should have been more? Or did you think they got it pretty spot on again? I think they pretty much got it spot on. I mean, as a Storm fan, I don't like losing any of our players any more than we need to, especially when they're <laughs> the two players we lost with defensemen, who we had pretty much in the game against five. We had two lines a day and one as like a rotating defenseman. I mean, that's worked. As we saw, we won the game, so that worked. But it's something that, as a star fan, you don't really want to see, but you knew something was going to happen. As soon as you saw the penalties that were happening, you were like, oh, great, who's going to get suspended here? <laughs> oh, who's going to get a, a fine? And obviously, well, we've got three games. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, fairness, I think they got it pretty spot on. Um, as Andy says, cracking down on this kind of thing, you can kind of see why um, I mean I'm not one a guy that wants to just get rid of the fighting but a guy jumping off the bench two minutes after a stoppage to go and make a beeline was never really going to cut the mustard and the argument of he was making a line change was never going to swing um, but yeah certainly interesting I'm more disappointed that there's no you know that they haven't reviewed anything from the Saturday I was kind of intrigued to see how that was going to go but um, looks like I'll just have to try and find a video online of that one is there a video of the highlights from that game Griff? There is, yeah. I got put online, I think it was on Thursday, I think. Fair play. They took a, a, took a good while to come online, but I'm guessing that was probably because maybe Docs were looking at it and then... Just decided no action. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's fair play. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to give that a look online instead. Um, moving on again. Standings. A little bit different to last time. Um, mainly because the Steelers now are in a position to make playoffs which fills me with a lot of happiness because um, <laughs> it didn't look like we were going to do it at one point. Um, Gref just clinging on to a playoff spot there as well. Obviously, I know that every team's got games in hand. I'm not reading a great deal into that at the moment because, in fairness, we are still early doors into the season. Um, one team that we all kind of said was a team that looked very underwhelming was Coventry. Andy, I mean, I'm looking at the table. I've got a table printed out in front of me. Coventry are currently sat in fifth. They've got a win percentage of 65.4% uh, and 17 points from 13 games. So in fairness, bit of room to move up or down. What do you think to the way the Blaze have come out this season? Do you think they're earning their position in fifth? Do you think they'll drop down a little bit? Obviously, we all kind of said that they looked a very inexperienced team. Do you, do you think that we've been made to look a bit silly on that one or do you think they've just come out as the dark horse, thrived on the lack of pressure and, uh, and got some results where maybe they shouldn't. I think so far they've they started off uh, surprised a little, surprising us a little bit. Um, but, but what I will say compared to now and 10 years ago is that no place is cemented like like it was 10 years ago. Like, let's say Edinburgh, the bottom, and 
Sheffield contrib- the top. There's, there's actually only a couple of points between uh, 1st and, and 11th in, in essence so far, so I won't be surprised if that all changes even next week uh, because they play uh, teams dropping dropping down a table and some dropping up the table. It's, it's, it's really close, really, really close this season so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the table. We, we could come by next week and the table could be turned upside down. Not literally, but you know, I mean, Belfast looked pretty cemented at the top. But you know, it could be completely different, as you say, next week. It was completely different last time we discussed it. It's always nice to have a look and and see where you go. I mean, one of the columns that I've been looking at have been the win percentages, just because obviously that gives you a bit more of an idea as to where the team may end up. You know, in terms of games in hand and things like that. Gref. I said at the start of the pod, Belfast certainly had a good week last week. They had a six-point weekend, two very convincing wins out of the three, and obviously a one-goal win on the Friday. Their win percentage is 76.5%, and they've now got the best one in the league. Can you see this being a bit of a change-around year for Belfast? I know they've not really done anything as far as the league's concerned over the last few years. Do you think this may be the year? I think yeah, be, I think this year could be one of the ones where they definitely are pushing to win the league. I mean, the, most teams are gonna want to try and stop Cardiff from winning it three to, for, for the third time. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Uh, it's good for the fan of that team, but for in this case, the Cardiff fans, it's good to see your team winning the league every year. But other teams are gonna be like. Come on, this is getting boring now. Why can't we win it? Yeah, this is this just is could be the yeah. yeah, this this is true. I mean, I know that I for one don't want to see Cardiff do the three peat, and I, I apologise to any Cardiff fans that may be listening. It's nothing kind of against the team. It's just that you know you don't like to see the the teams have that much success. You only really like to see teams have that much success when it's your team, and it's sweet when it's your team, but when it's not kind of stings a little bit, particularly when you were the team that at one point, I mean, the Steelers looked at one point like they were on track for a 3 P, and it didn't happen. So, do you now have to see Cardiff maybe just about in the driving seat to maybe get that 3 P. Does sting a little. So, do you know, I, I kind, of got my, kind of got my hopes up for Belfast or Fife or even Nottingham. Before you say it, Gref, I'm not Panther Joe, but to be honest with you, just because of that, just because you don't like to see the teams have that much success... Uh, in fairness, I'd, I think I'd rather see the Panthers win it than the Devils this year. And that hurts me to say as a, as a Steelers fan, but, you know, it is what it is. Just to run through the league, top of the league, we'll go from top to bottom. Top of the league is Belfast on 26 points. We've then got Fife and Nottingham on 22 points each. Cardiff on 18 points. Coventry on 17. Guildford on 16. Steelers on 14. And then Manchester on 13 Clan on 12, Stars on 11, and then Milton Keynes staying in the single figures. 14 games, 8 points. Um, yeah. Does anybody want to make any changes to their, their bottom three teams? I like to kind of keep this as a thread as we go through. I have to admit, I can never remember my bottom three. So I'm going to ask you again, who were your bottom three at the end of the season? Looking at this league table now, it's been a bit of a change round. Who are your three teams? Um, I'll start, in fairness. And in fairness, two of my three teams are actually there at the moment. So that's Milton Keynes and Glasgow. 
And Greth, I have to say, I'm sorry, but I still think Manchester may be in that bottom three as well. Um, do you disagree, Greth? I'm assuming Manchester aren't in your bottom three. Um, who are your bottom three? My bottom three are already in the bottom three at the moment. With Glasgow, Dundee and Milton Keynes. That's just cheating. You're just looking at the way the league table is and just going, I'll go with those three. <laughs> no, I remember you saying that in fairness. No, 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 I do remember you saying that in fairness. I could, I could see you going like that. As I say, I've held up a lot of hope for Dundee and it's the reason they're still not in my bottom three. But I feel like I may come out of this season with a bit of egg on my face because they are kind of on the decline a little bit now. But <clears throat> we'll have to see. Andy, what do you think? Do you, um, are, you, are you with Breath? Are you with me? Do you have a different three that you think may that may end up in the bottom? I certainly think uh, I, I'm sure I said this at the start. Uh, we, did these, we, did, we did these predictions. Uh, Dundee and MK, I think they'll be in the bottom three. Uh, and I, I think I put Coventry as uh, as as the last team in. But um, so far they started well. Uh, right now I'll probably say. Maybe Glasgow, uh, but I, I still think it's it's really too too early and and, and too close there to really tell for sure who, who is going to finish in those last three positions. Yeah, no, I, absolutely, I, I completely agree. I just think it's uh, quite interesting to keep looking at it and revisiting and seeing if it changes as we go through the year. Obviously, as you say, we've got another 30, 40 games to play yet, so all could change, you never know. Ben Bounds may suffer an injury in the next two games and hit the devils you know he, he, he is and I'm not I'm not saying that because I hope he does I really really don't I know that I've just said I hope that Cardiff don't do the three-peat but I'm not by any means saying that I hope that's a, something that happens but you never know what is going to happen you know a, a team could take a hit like that Belfast Pesca Rowani could take a hit and could be out you know and they may end up having to sign a second-rate goalie to cover that that could that could be the that that could change their season completely. That could be the make or break part of their season. So you know it really really is too early to say, but it's, I just find it interesting to see where we're at at this point and to see where we'll be at in a few months' time. Um, one of the places, one of the areas of our game that constantly takes a hit and constantly takes the criticism is the officiating side of things. It's the refereeing. Um, I've heard some people criticise the referees for the game on Wednesday uh, between the Steelers and the Blaze. Obviously, Kevin Noble takes a silly penalty in the last minute of the game. The Steelers score on the power play to, to equalise the game and then the Steelers score in overtime. Some people blaming the ref. Steelers fans saying that there was a goal waved off that should have been allowed. I mean, the ref looked at goal line technology, so I'm not quite sure where that comes from. Personally, didn't think it went in the goal from the from the view that we got on the big screen from the front of the net. But, you know, it's an area that takes a hit a lot. In every, in every sport, it's going to do. They're the scapegoats. They're the guys that do the job that nobody wants to do because they're never going to please everyone. Um, but one thing that interested me, and I've not watched the game, but one thing that interested me, and Gref, I know that we spoke about this before the game, and obviously you said you watched it on free sports, was that they've mic'd up the refs so that you could hear kind of what they've got to say. What was that like in terms of opening your eyes to the kind of the decision side of things with, with regards to the refereeing? It was very different, but in a good way. I mean, if they didn't have that, some of the things you'd be like, why have you not called that? Why, why have you called that? 
and then you actually hear them discuss with one of the players why they've called it or why they've not called it. I mean, with the, the goal line technology being used as well, they said, we were there on our own backs. You didn't ask for it. Neither did Coventry. Because mm. they couldn't tell either. Personally, for me, I didn't think it went in either. And GLT confirmed it. Great for Coventry. And obviously not for you guys. Although you did come back. Thanks to Kevin Noble being Kevin Noble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, well, this is it. I mean, Eason, Eason, Andy, it really is an unthanked position isn't it I mean it's the position that nobody really wants to do um, particularly at like the elite league level and I think what a lot of people don't understand is that well don't, not necessarily don't understand but just kind of maybe even choose to forget the referees don't have eyes all over the ice they don't have the vantage point that we have sat at the block at the back back, back of the block you know looking over the whole rink they don't have the cameras showing the replays three times that they can watch. You know, what's your take on it? Obviously, you're a player, you've played ice, you know, you've played ball hockey. You know, I'm sure, like I have numerous times, you know, you may have raised your voice at a referee, um, maybe either on the rink or in the stands. But what, what's your take on it? Do you, do you think it's... Do you think it is an area that we need to improve on in the league, or do you think it's just a case that people need to realise that not everything's going to get called? Well, I think there has been uh, a few moments where you probably think, oh, that, that should have been called, or something like that. But, but like you said, uh, the referees can't see everything on the ice at the same time. They could be behind a play where they're watching the puck um, in, instead, of, instead of two players behind the play by about a minute or two so it, it is hard to see everything uh, but having said that they have made some really good calls uh, I mean the uh, no goal on, on Aaron Johnson in, in the Sheffield game I was definitely kicking so it, it, it was a good decision to go to the replay and uh, I'll never look at that um, I think there's always room for improvement uh, I mean never going to be perfect at anything but uh, the more improvement you get, even by refreshing, um, you know, the referees of, of the rules, just giving that refresher that sometimes they maybe need, especially after the summer. Mm. Um, there's always room for improvement in, in in my eyes. Yeah, I agree, and I mean, if anything, I'd even go as far as saying there's room for improvement all the way up. I mean, you 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 can sit and watch. I mean, I I. As an example, you know, Andy, you were sat in the room with me on Saturday when we were watching the Penguins versus the Maple Leafs game. We'll not mention the score of that game because it, it hurts me to say. The second goal, just to me, was just completely baffling. I mean, yeah, Patrick Marlowe crashes into the net, full pelt at, at Matt Murray, puck goes in the back of the net as Marlowe just lands flat on top of Murray and wipes him out. Goal's given. Now, and I, I'm 50-50 on whether the goal should have been given. I think by the rules of goal interference, if the puck had gone in before the contact was made, then fair enough, good goal. I think it may be kind of a cause for a change, in my opinion, because, to be fair, Murray, before the puck went in, was probably looking up and bracing himself for the contact, particularly as a goalie that suffered from concussion at the start of the season. But if not 
a no goal, for me, there should have at least been a penalty call on the plate. If the puck hadn't been put in the back of the net, that would have been called for a two-minute goal interference penalty. And I don't see why that's any different just because the puck went in the net. But this is the top league in the world. These are the best referees in the world. And I'm sat there questioning the, the calls made by the best referees in the world that have video replay that go back to Toronto and who are the most experienced people in the world that reviewing game footage to decide whether it's a goal or a no goal or whether it's goal interference or not. And I sit there at three o'clock in the morning after having a few pints shouting at my television saying, oh, how have you missed that? It happens across the board. Um, and I think people don't realise that, that maybe it's not a case that it is, or the, the line is it's too blurred in terms of what is and what isn't a penalty. And, and I think people start to need to look at it and say, mm-hmm. as long as a referee's consistent, that's kind of the thing that matters. You know, if they're going to call a glove tap, a glove tap and not a slash, that's fine as long as the other team doesn't make a glove tap and get called for a slash. And I think that's what people need to start realising is that maybe it's just a case that certain things aren't called because they happen 30 times in a game and if it's called, it's going to stop the game every 10 seconds. But they're going to not call it on both teams and call it when it starts to get a little bit too feisty. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, sorry, I kind of went into a rant there. But but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there's, there's certainly room for improvement, but I, I think... I mean, I'll open it up to both of you rather than asking you specifically. I think that the way the refereeing's gone in in the league over the last few seasons, it's taken a huge leap in terms of how much it's improved. Um, what do you guys both think? Do you agree, or do you think it's? Do you think we've stood still, or do you agree with me? Think that there has been that improvement? I think there has been a a, a big improvement. It's. Personally, from my perspective, I think he's got better each year. Each year for Stalma being in the Elite League, I think he's got better. Andy, what what do you think? Do you agree? Yes, it's 100% improved. Uh, I think the referees have have had some really good training. They brought in these training camps at the start of the season, which is a really good idea. Like I said, just get that refresher after after a really long off-season. so yeah, they've definitely improved, and I think uh, it has also been helped with the uh, availability of the um, replays. Yeah. Uh, decisions as well. It takes a lot of pressure off them as well, though. That's the thing. Do you know, like at the end of the day, yes, they can stand on the goal line, but they've got to see if a puck that's less than six inches big has gone over a line, which is probably pretty much invisible because the goalie's completely shredded the ice on top of it. They've got to tell that the puck's gone all the way over with a goalpost in the way or with the net in the way or with the goalie in the way or other players. You know, it just takes that bit of pressure off them that they're able to go, right, I think that went in, but we'll go to goal line technology. Um, but I agree. I think a refresher at the start of the season is absolutely vital. Um, just reminds everybody kind of where we're going, what's, what, what the general consensus is on, what should and shouldn't be called. Um, I also think they need to do more of these things with the referees. You know, mic them up on videos. Um, was it two seasons or so ago that Darnell did the video with the, the Steelers-Belfast game? Um, and he did a, a bit of an interview, mic'd a few of the, the plays up and things like that. It makes the fans a lot more tolerant. 
not not all of them, but across the across the league, it makes the fans a lot more tolerant because they start to realise why things are being called and why things aren't. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, in fairness, I find it interesting anyway. You know, it's always interesting. I think any of the referees that are willing to referee at an elite league level have got to have seriously thick skin. Because I know for a fact that you know I'd be throwing out ten minute misconducts left, right, and centre at times if I was refereeing in some of the games. Um, you've got to have thick skin to have some of the guys shouting at you, and obviously you could play, you could referee a game in Sheffield on on Boxing Day against Nottingham with nine and a half thousand people in there, all screaming "ref you suck" or you know screaming abuse or telling you you got the wrong call, and you've got to have. For want of a better word, you've got to have the balls to stick by your decision and go, these nine and a half thousand people that are watching me and telling me I'm wrong, they're all wrong. So I, it's always interesting to see. I, I always think it's a, an interesting thing to raise, but definitely agree there's been a marked improvement in refereeing over this year. Um, Another jump. I feel like we're very disjointed, but I can't find any way of segueing this one in. There's been a really seriously strange change in the NHL um, I believe it was today it was today that Gref messaged us about it so I believe it was today um, the Chicago Blackhawks have got rid of their coach uh, Joel Quenville uh, coach Q possibly the most iconic coach in the NHL at this point maybe other than people like John Tortorella uh, or Mike Babcock but certainly up there as one of the most iconic and three-time Stanley Cup winner with the Chicago Blackhawks. Four-time Stanley Cup winner because he's won one as an assistant coach as well back in 1995. Um, were you guys as shocked as I was when... when um, I mean, obviously, you weren't as shocked when you posted it on the group, Gref, because you were the one that posted it, but were you as shocked when you saw it as I was? Yeah, I was very shocked. I think... As soon as I saw it, I was like, I had to have like a double look at it. I was like, hey, what? No, this has got to be a this has got to be a fake post. And I saw, oh wait, no, it isn't. That's when I straight away I just sent the message to you guys about it. I was like, this has just happened. What on earth? That yeah, that was exactly what I thought. As soon as I saw it, I just thought, what the hell is going on? Like, I mean, Andy, I mean, let's just put some context around it. I mean, Chicago are twentieth in the NHL right now. Um, you know, they've, again, similar to our league, it's hard to say whether they're going to go up or down, but they're 20th, 20th out of 31 teams. I mean, the LA Kings are at the bottom of the league right now. And as you say, I think they got rid of their coach as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they're bottom of the league and they're a team that should have been on the up this year. They've made a few good signings. They brought in Ilya Kovalchuk as a guy to kind of give the, the, the franchise a lift as well. And they're at the bottom of the league. So I can understand that. But Chicago are 20th and they've just sacked a three-time Stanley Cup winning you know, head coach. Can, can, you, can you, obviously Greff saying that he agrees with me, obviously that he was as shocked. Can you see any logic behind it or can you, were you as shocked as I was when, when you saw the news? Yeah, it was. It's a very, very, very strange, uh, strange move by the Blackhawks. I mean, 20th, it's not, it's not the, like you said, 31. Um especially a coach like Gwenneville uh, the honours that he's got in, in, in three or four Stanley Cup is incredible uh, and I'm sure if, if I was on a team right now I'd, I'd, I'd be looking at him uh, to try and see if they can stamp up, stamp up, stamp up 
snapping up and joining their team. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a very strange move, and I think you got to remember there are 31 teams in that league. You know, you, you know, we're just going to boss every season uh, with just one team. It, it's going to be open to pretty much anyone. So it, it is a really strange move. Yeah, certainly a bold move. I mean, we'll see if it pays off, and we, we may all be kind of sat here in. Uh, you know, in April, May, when Chicago are making it through to the third round in the Stanley Cup and saying, oh, decent move. But for the time being, I mean, it certainly looks odd. Um, and as you say, I mean, the, a guy like Quenville as well, that's, that's so decorated as a coach. It, it's bizarre. I'm intrigued to see who they've got in the lineup. Have they, have they announced a, another coach, Griff, or have they just announced that he's gone? They have, yeah. They, they announced that the, the coach of the, of the AHL team, Rockford Ice Top. Ice hogs or dogs? Yeah, ice hogs. One of the two. Ice hogs. Yeah, they, yeah they've, they've named him Jeremy Collerton. He's only 33 years old. He's the youngest coach in the NHL. He's probably got players that are older than him. <laughs> it would right. certainly be interesting to see how he controls them, then, won't it? Um, yeah, the one thing I'll say about that is a few years ago, the Penguins were in a bit of a rut. And, do you know, they were probably in a similar position. I think I don't think we were quite out of the runnings for the Stanley Cup. We were getting there, but we weren't quite out of the runnings. Um, but we were having a pretty poor season compared to the last few that we'd had. And it was after Dan Bilsmer had left. So Dan Bilsmer left, we brought in another coach. I can't remember for the life of me who it was now. But we had a really, really, really terrible start to the season compared to how we'd gone for the last few seasons. And we sacked the coach. And up came Mike Sullivan from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton and Penguins, from the AHL affiliate side. And we won the Stanley Cup that year. <laughs> and we won the Stanley Cup the next year. So, maybe this time next year, we'll be sitting there when another team does this, going, actually, it worked for Chicago when he just won another Stanley Cup. I can't see it happening, to be honest with you. Um, I think they've become a bit of a dynasty team. They were the most successful team over the last five or ten years when they won their third Stanley Cup um, in quick succession. But right now, kind of in a bit of a rut. Maybe they did need a bit of a refresh. You know, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not talking about how weird it is that Barry Trotz left Washington. And Barry Trotz left Washington literally about two weeks after he won the Stanley Cup there. So... Maybe it's just a case that they needed a refresh. Maybe it'll work like it did for the Penguins. We'll uh, we'll just have to see. But I just, I fence, I just wanted to raise that because it it did seem like a bit of a strange thing. Um, obviously, we don't try and talk too much about NHL, but that just kind of struck me as a good headline. Um, moving back to the EIHL, obviously one of the ways that we generally discuss and and kind of cap off the podcast, talking about upcoming fixtures. So, I've got the list in front of me, and starting on Wednesday, the 7th of November. We'll just run through the list, uh, and as usual, I'll just ask you guys if you can give me your winners of each game, and just tell me who you think is going to get the win. Uh, Friday, I already know what you're going to say to this, Gref. It is a home game for the Storm uh, against the Milton Keynes Lightning. Gref, we'll start with you, because I know you're going to say the Storm. Yeah, Storm, all, all the way. <laughs> Andy, do you agree? 
I have to agree, yeah. The, the firm out of MK hasn't been very good, never in last position at the minute, and uh, Storm, Storm will win that one, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll go with Storm as well, in fairness. Um, I think it may kick off a little bit. I don't know if that's just because it's the Storm, and because they've got a bit of a reputation now. Um, I like to see it a bit more old school hockey, um, but yeah, I'd go Storm for the win. Um, moving to oh, do you know what? I, I've skipped. A, I've skipped a game, so I apologise. Moving back to Wednesday, the seventh of November, Cardiff take on the Five Flyers in Cardiff. I'll kick this one off. I can see Cardiff getting the win. No surprise there. Andy, what what do you reckon? I say Cardiff too. I, I think more so given the fact that they're at home. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go for Cardiff win. Yeah, Griff, what do you reckon? I reckon a Cardiff win as well. They're gonna Andrew Lawrence probably gonna he's probably had them in on their day off after a not point weekend, saying we need to train more. Yeah, I. I, I completely agree it was exactly what I was just going to say in fairness I think the team will have taken a bit of a kick in um, zero point weekend they want to bounce back hard um, you know they've got three games to do that this weekend so maybe six points to be had this week um, and I think they'll want to start off strong on Wednesday um, we'll skip back forward skip over the Storm game obviously we've already done that one Saturday the 10th of November Sheffield Steelers versus Guildford Flames in Sheffield Andy where do you think this one's going to go I think Sheffield are going to win it, but it's going to be a very, very close game. Would you go overtime or would you go in regulation? I'd go overtime. Fair play. Overtime or shootout? Ooh. <laughs> I think I'll stick with overtime. The uh, line of uh, O'Connor, you know, Pitt and, uh, and Buzzayo, you know, they've been really quick and if they didn't last two overtimes, they've been in the first minute or two that they've they yeah. worked really well and pulled off some really nice goals, so I, I think it'd be almost a repeat. Yeah, the overtime kings at the moment. Um, I agree, in fairness, I'll go Sheffield win. Certainly, like a bit of a preview for the Challenge Cup, I think Barassa will want to come out strong on that one. Um, he'll obviously also, to a sense, if he is fit, it will also be a decider as to whether or not Climby makes a start on the Sunday, I think. I, th I can see Whistle starting on the Saturday, uh, but I think it'll decide, obviously, whether Climby starts on the Sunday. Mm -hmm. But I'll go for a Steelers win. I agree with you, Andy. I'll go overtime. Uh, but I can also see De Luca getting a couple of points on the board as well. Griff, what do you reckon? I agree with the Perriers. I think it'll be an overtime win for Steelers. I think both sides are probably going to take into effect for Guildford. But then, yeah, you're also going to be bouncing a lot from the victories over the weekend. Just gone. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Let's see if we can keep If you've got the Luca playing and he's fit, I, I reckon he's going to get a few points as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I feel like we may have just set up like a really good bet to put on over the weekend. But then I feel like I'm going to be even more annoyed if it doesn't come in, so I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> sticking with the Saturday, we've got the Panthers v. the Giants. Bit of a Clash of the Titans game, obviously two top-of-the-table teams. Um, it's in Nottingham. <sighs> Griff, what do you reckon? Panthers or Giants? I'm going to say Giants. In regulation or in overtime? 
regulation with their form that they're at the moment. I don't think most. <laughs> I don't think a lot of teams will stop them at the moment. Yeah, certainly be interesting. Um, Andy, what do you reckon? Do you agree with Gref or do you think the Panthers will get away? Completely agree with Gref, with the word, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm 50-50 on this. I'm going to go the other way. Um, I agree Belfast being on good form. I feel like that at some point has to end. Nottingham, decent, in fairness, decent weekend themselves last week. They're going to be riding the high... That obviously they beat the prospective league champs in Cardiff. Um, obviously setting them back a little bit in their campaign to get the three P. So I think they'll be riding a high on that. I'm gonna go Nottingham. I think they'll get I think they'll take the win against Belfast. Um then we have Glasgow v Coventry in Glasgow. I'm gonna go with a Glasgow win on this one. Coventry, obviously, their goalie took a knock in their game against Cardiff. I think, I don't know if Veetman's back up to full strength or not, to be honest here. That may be a bit of a decider. But a game in Glasgow, Klein are going to be wanting to climb up the board a little bit. So I'm going to go to Glasgow win. Andy, what do we think? Yeah, I agree as well. Uh, I, I think, again, most of the clan going home, I, I think that'll have a good advantage for them. So yeah, I'm going to go for Glasgow win. Fair Do we know anything about the um, the, the, the Blaze goaltending situation? Obviously, I know that their goalie got injured in the game on Saturday. Do, uh, do you know, is, is he okay? Is it Capriva? Is he okay to play? Is, is Veetman back? Do we know? Veetman was back on the, the the game after, and they mentioned that Capriva was. It was okay. He, he'd been in hospital and they got checked out that he was fine, apparently. Fair, fair, fair. It's good news to hear. You know, it's not nice to see a goalie go down, but any player go down like that and need to be uh, to be stretched off. But no, that defense that could be the difference maker. I may be wrong with that. Then if they've got both netties back, but we'll we'll see. I'll stick with Glasgow. Gref, what do you reckon, Clan or Blade? I'm gonna go with Clan as well. I think home home game for them. They're gonna want to, as you mentioned before, get the points to climb up the table. They're a team that should really be pushing for playoffs, but at the moment, they're not in playoff contention. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, next game, in Milton Keynes, the Lightning take on the Devils. Andy, what do you think? I think an easy win for the Devils. <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree, I'll go with Devils as well. Gret? I agree with both of Devils. Full house for the Devils. I don't know about Panther Joe, but I think we're turning to the Devils podcast. <laughs> um, final game on a Saturday, we have the Flyers against the Storm up in Kakadi. Um, sorry, Gref, I'm going to go with a win for the Flyers here. What do you reckon, Mr Dutton? I, unfortunately, I think, yeah, Flyers are going to win. My They're unfortunate to not beat us, but at home but then it's a long journey up there <laughs> and being in Kirkcaldy that rink you get a, an atmosphere you don't really want as an away fan <laughs> yeah certainly uh, earned the title of the pesky Flyers particularly they're in a home barn Andy what do we think Flyers or Storm Flyers again uh, not just the form but, but also as is both said the uh, atmosphere in that 
the fire faster and he's going to be rocking. So, yeah, the fire queen. Yeah. Um, Sunday, the 11th of November, we have the Dundee Stars taking on the Steelers in Dundee. Andy, do you want to kick us off with that one? Yeah, I think the Steelers are legit, yeah. Definitely. Griff? I think, yeah, you'll edge it, and I think it'll be another all-time game. Fair play. I'm going to go with a regulation win. I think the, the Steelers look dominant on Saturday. I know the Stars are going to want to bounce back from that, but if we come out as strong as we did on Saturday, I, I don't think the Stars stand a chance. I'm going to go to Steelers' regulation win. Then we've got the Blaze v. the Clan in Coventry. I am going to go with the Blaze on that one. I know that I went Glasgow at the last game, but a game in Coventry... To get in a bit more of an atmosphere back in the sky down, and obviously if they have got Capriva or Beatman back in net, you know they, they certainly could put a good campaign forward for getting at least two points from this weekend. Andy? Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I'm also going to go with the Blazing. Griff? I agree as well. I think Coventry. Home game. The atmosphere that they have there at the moment. I can see nothing but Coventry winning it. Fair play. Um, then we really do move on to a Clash of the Titans game. Two teams that really, I think, will be battling it out for the league title at the end of the season. It's in Cardiff, and the Devils take on the Belfast Giants. Difficult one to call this one. I'm going to go with you, Greth, to start off with. Who do you think? It is really difficult. I think... I'm going to go with Cardiff win, but after penalty shots. Certainly be a game worth watching if that's the, if that is the case. Andy, what do you reckon? Do you agree? Do you go the other way? Would you say regulation? What What's your prediction? This is very tough one. I think it's the first tough one in a while we've had. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say Belfast this time, but also after penalty shots. So both predicting a good close game to watch I agree in the capacity that I think this probably is the hardest game to call of the season so far uh, particularly with how well both teams are going doesn't make it any easier that, Belf that Cardiff had such a poor weekend just gone and Belfast had such a good one I'm going to go with Andy but I think a regulation win for the Giants just, I think it's going to be a one-goal game. Uh, and, and sorry, not necessarily a one-goal game from a perspective of only one goal scored, but one game in it in terms of the in, in terms of the win. But I do think a regulation win for the Giants. Uh, and then finally, the Panthers take on Guildford at the Spectrum in Guildford. Um, I'll kick this one off. I think the Panthers will get the win down in Guildford. Andy, what do we think? If I'm going to swing the other way, I'm going to go with Guildford winning. Ooh, interesting. Greth, do you agree with me or do you agree with Andy? I think I'm going to agree with yourself. I see a Panthers win. Certainly going to be an interesting one. I, I, kind of, I, I can see where you're coming from with that one, though, Andy. I mean, in fairness, Guildford have been doing really well recently. Um, and we've said that the Panthers have had some sketchy games. They're a very 50-50 side. So, yeah, it certainly could be a um, 
the game could go either way on that one too. Um, right, I mean, in fairness, that's all the uh, that's all the upcoming fixtures over the next week. So thank you very much for that, gents. Um, we have one last thing on the agenda. We always ask people if they could send in any questions that they have. Um, do you know, we've we've been very uh, fortunate to have um, a decent following of people both listening and obviously tweeting, had a feedback, tweeting in questions for us. So we thank you very much for that. Um, we've had two questions this week, both coming in from Craig Day. Um, the first question, so I'll throw it out to all you guys and then I'll come round to the second question after. His first question is, do we think that the Steelers will finish in the top four this season? Greth, you're shaking your head, so I'll go with you. I'm guessing that's a solid no. That's a very solid now. I don't think they were. Fair play. Out of interest, who would your top four be? Top four, I'd probably say, not in any order, it'd be Belfast, Five, Cardiff and Panthers. Fair play. Andy, what do we think? Do you agree with Gref? Do you think it's going to be a definite no? Or do you think we can climb high enough to uh, to get into the top four? Yeah, 100% agree with Gref. I think the best we could probably do is fifth. I think uh, if we're going to get that high, I think that will be as high as we can get because you know, the competition this year is, is really difficult, especially after the post start with that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with a fifth place finish, not not in, not in the top four. Um, I, I, I think I agree with Gref in saying Nottingham Belfast. Uh, five and Cardiff will be the, the top four. Fair play. No, I, I'm in agreement with both of you. I don't think we'll make the top four. I think part of me wants to say we'll make the final four for playoffs. Although I think it very much depends on where we finished in terms of seeding. You know where we're at, where we are right now. We could end up playing the likes of Belfast, Cardiff, Nottingham. I wouldn't be so bothered if it was Nottingham. I have to admit. Well, obviously, we've, we've managed to knock Nottingham out last year. We've done it a couple of times now. But, do you know, if we end up against Cardiff, we end up against Belfast, I don't fancy our chances per se. Certainly would be a good match-up for the, um, for the quarters. But I could certainly potentially see us getting in the, the final four for playoffs, but I don't see us finishing in the top four. Um, I'd probably say a five. I'd probably agree with you, Andy, I'd a fifth or sixth finish in the league. Um, my top four would be... Cardiff, Belfast, Fife. Yeah, I'm probably Nottingham. If not Nottingham, it'd be one of two. It'd either be Coventry or Guildford. But it depends if they can maintain the level that they've played at consistently this season. I think Coventry took a little bit of a dip over the last few weeks. If they can step it back up, then it could very well be them in the top four. Guildford, really, really starting strong. Really, really starting strong, and they they've proven to be a good team, as expected. As Cali Akerud and uh, Ian Waters and and Jeff Dunbar on, oh, obviously they've got a cracking team of players, um, so it could easily be them as well. But yeah, no, I, I think certainly a solid no from all three of us. That I none of us think that they'll make the top four. The next question, Steelers related again. Do we think the Steelers will finish above Nottingham? My assumption is the answer is going to be no from all three, as obviously we've all kind of said we think Nottingham will be in the top four and Steelers won't. But I'll go around with you all just to confirm. 
Andy, I'm, I'm guessing it's a no. It's a good question, uh, but unfortunately, no, 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 can't see it happening. Griff, possibly not quite as unfortunate for you because you're a Storm fan and none of us think you're going to make playoffs anyway. But <laughs> um, what do you think? Do you think Steelers will make it above Nottingham or do you think they will stay below? I think you'll stay below. Fair play. And once again, we have a full house because I'm in agreement again. I'd love to see it happen. Although, as I say, I'd prefer to see Nottingham win the league than Cardiff. Um, but I can't see it happening, if I'm honest. It's a long way to go. Long, long way to go. Particularly if we're thinking that Nottingham are going to be in the final four. Um, you know, Sheffield may have climbed a table, then they're not nearly at the point where they're climbing to the top four yet. But, all to play for. Um, you know, we could be wrong. You never know the Steelers could win the league this year. But I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't think it's going to happen. Live on Facebook, eating shoe. <laughs> I will do a Facebook Live video of me not eating my shoe. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll find some forfeit for me to do if uh, if the Steelers do win the league. Um, yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it up today, gents. It may have, I think it may have been a bit of a long one again. Um, so, yeah, now thank you very much to everybody that have been listening. As I say, we uh, we really have been privileged to hear that, you know, we, we've had a fair few people listening. Obviously, we've had a lot of feedback um, and really, really do appreciate people coming back and saying, you know, they've enjoyed the podcast. You know, it's nice to hear that the podcast can help people getting through the days at work or getting through travel as they're in the car. Um, keep feedback coming through be that that you're enjoying it, be that that you think we need to do things differently, if you know if the sound needs to change, any comments at all, obviously we're only on episode 9, so we are still in the early stages, so anything you think you think that we can do to improve, by all means let us know, because we will do our best to do that. Um, keep your questions coming in, obviously you know Craig's asked a few for the end today, we have had a few from different people in the past, so keep those questions coming in if you do have any, um, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's Mike Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. We would also all very much appreciate if you could like and share the pages as well. We want to try and get out there as much as we can. Um, hopefully that would as well then push us to be able to get some, you know, some more interesting maybe guests to come on. Obviously, if we can start to get more following, then certainly gives us that bit more of a draw to get people on. Uh, that people would be interested in hearing. So if you can like and share the pages, it'd be very much appreciated. But thank you for listening. Um, and for tonight, thank you very much, Greth. Thank you very much for having me. Andy, thank you very much. Thanks again, Joe. Cheers. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you very much to everybody that's listened as well uh, to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.